No, it's cool. It's yeah, cool. Yeah. You want to feel it on your lips. Yes. Yeah, you yes, have a bunch definitely. of people that aren't confident enough to be on video in the first place. Yeah. So just try to hide even more. <laughs> um, cool. You guys set to go? I'm set to go. Yeah. Let's cool. do it. Cool. I'm in the mood to be slow and careful. My body's ready for a mountain climb. All of a sudden, Oh, we're making great time, aren't we? That was the alarm for this. That was the alarm to do this wow, thing. Okay. We're going, Sick. coming you know in saying? hot and sharp. <laughs> um, like a lot of the food that the man we're with today uh, mm. puts out. That's pretty good. That's I, what, I like right, the transition. Nice, from the nice, nice. We'll uh, but yeah, we're with Chef Dave Rinaldi, um, a part of Bissell Brothers for about a year and a half now. Yeah, a year and change. Not quite a year and a half, but yeah. Mm. And his, I was thinking a lot about it coming into this because I... Food was always something I, I mean, obviously I don't have a lot of lot to do with it on certainly on a daily basis now anyway, but mm-hmm. something that I was always just hard for me to even wrap my mind around bringing in just from the added everything, you know, the, the added everything. Yeah. I guess that's interesting for me to hear because I, I know very little about brewing, but it seems like brewing and food have a lot of crossover in terms mm. of like playing with flavors matching things up so yeah i think i think the idea of food i love yeah um not skilled in any way shape or form uh regarding it but more just the the industry of putting out food sure. commercially was yeah. the thing that really scared me because of you know i'd worked in restaurants enough to know how complicated it can be mm-hmm. for starters um but at that time pete pete kind of led that charge and was totally right but it's just been a wild uh yeah little over did you you didn't start right off the gate right not right off the gate i think it was like last august that i got my feet in the door yeah okay so they had they had kind of ironed out a couple of the bells and whistles but um it was a new kitchen there was a lot of challenges and we kind of like for the most part figured it out as we went which was fun and difficult at times yeah Yeah. and i I think there's been a lot of that in in your time here yeah Yeah. and i've almost had i had kind of the opposite trajectory of this we were talking off mic that um food was incredible happened to me at an incredibly formative time food happened to me at an incredibly (laughs) formative time um and as we were talking about the structure related to it and the, the instant feedback of being able to like put something up and see somebody's reaction to it yeah. was something I fell in love with a long time ago. Yeah. And then as we were kind of, we've talked about on here, we opened a kitchen up in Milo and getting ready to do this and talk with you. I kind of had so many things that were bubbling up and really naturally excited to sit down and talk about. Yeah. Cause I didn't realize until a couple months ago, right when we got it rolling uh, over the course of like a few days, uh, Joe sent me one podcast of Lucas sin and I'm then he's uh he does like fast casual Chinese food cool. at like an incredible level. And then um and then Kyle sent me a Will Gadera. Yep. Um like unreasonable hospitality yep. book. And kind of both at once these hit me and I forgot like, oh my God, so much of what happened to like change my whole life was based around listening to people. Totally. They were all based around food. And now it's beer podcasts or a lot of fucking Lex Friedman, I'll be honest. <laughs> but, but I hadn't like kind of been in the food world in that strict sense for such a long time yeah and kind of dipping back into it as we've done this 
so many kind of emotions have been opened up again. Is it fun to be back? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Cool. A million percent. But the, where that kind of ties to you is there is, I kind of went from this kitchen culture. Yep. Not at a, the level that you did, but a kitchen is a kitchen is a kitchen. Sure. And then from there, I kind of made saying in the industry. That is a saying. If, if you know, you know. <laughs> um, but truly, once I saw, I've talked about it, but my first day working floor service for Bissell down here yeah. as like a tryout was like this, this kind of huge unlock of like, oh, this is a very different business. Yeah. As far as hospitality goes, this is an easier business from a from a setup standpoint, it's a better business. Certainly. And I I really am interested in your lens of coming from some incredible restaurants, yep. um, really coming up in this world and and then being part of establishing one inside of a brewery. Yeah. The two have such kind of different cultures. They have different math. They have different everything. I'd really like to kind of just get your perspective on sure. what so, it's been like to operate here. It's fun like hearing you talk about food being formative because it was the same thing for me. Like mm -hmm. I, after I graduated high school, I bounced around a lot not knowing what I wanted to do. I went to college, was originally wanting to be like a park ranger, do like natural resource management stuff. Huh. That didn't work out um, and basically got a kitchen job and fell in love with it. Um, I was working at like a shitty pizza place and I was getting paid minimum wage, but it was at least money in my pocket. And mm -hmm. it was like that instant feedback. I mean, that kind of like that grew. I went back east. I went to culinary school. Um, Where was you the go? pizza spot? Pizza spot was in Fort Collins, Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. But yeah, really liked it. Came back east, went to culinary school and um, kind of dove into food after that. I worked at a really nice place in Boston called um, Townsman. Fast casual as well, but um, open kitchen. And so you're kind of on display the whole time. Um, that's kind of where I got my chops. Like it, to this day, the most talented kitchen I've ever worked with. Um, the guys that I worked with there are either chefs themselves now or owning places or running kitchens. Um, so it's cool to kind of be brought up in that culture. Um, and I had always had in the back of my mind, like opening a place one day, like that was always the dream. Um, mm -hmm. And it was cool that this, to some extent, fell into my lap. Like I had been sous chefing at a few different restaurants around town in Portland, um, but never really had the head chef job um, was hired at a, as a sous chef here and then um, shit happened and I kind of got the job, was thrown into it. Um, but yeah, it's like running a brewery kitchen is sort of uncharted territory. It's still kind of new in the restaurant world. Like, and it's great that breweries are offering this awesome food now, but it's like a different it's different than a normal restaurant. It's different than a normal brewery because like people come for the beer, but then they're impressed with all the food and they get to sit down and enjoy that too, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and it doesn't quite fit the model of brew pub, which is like pretty well trodden in mm -hmm. a standard kind of, you know, Applebee's with a different face sort of sort of way. Like, yeah. But uh, but yet, yeah, I've never thought about it quite on that level, but right, it really is in a lane that- Yeah, in a lane totally its own. And it was like- one thing that I'm still like we're learning and we're struggling with is like sort of the identity of the kitchen. Mm. Like it's, so it's, it's, it certainly stands on its own. Like the food is amazing, but kind of figuring out what our 
identity is like what we do like we want the food here to kind of stand up to the beer um and it's kind of navigating like what that means you know like we have certain staples and things that stand out which are awesome people come in here and we are recognized for that but it's like what is the true Bristol Brothers kitchen kind of identity you know mm-hmm. yeah go into that a little bit more because I think that's just a, a great um yeah a great jumping off point. yeah so we when the when I was hired here and the concept that was pitched to me was um very Latin focused we did lots of um tacos the birria taco is one of like the key things on the menu chimichanga um so latin food with a very seasonal focus and trying to utilize like the local ingredients which cool awesome portland doesn't have like a great latin food scene they have an awesome food scene in general Mm -hmm. but like you looking for like good mexican latin food around here is there's good stuff but there's nothing that holy fuck that's awesome yeah yeah um and so we went into the kitchen with that kind of lens um there was freedom it wasn't strict like there was never you you have to do strictly latin food but whenever i was like thinking about specials or thinking about things to put on the menu i always went to like those flavors first Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of shifted and i think now we're trying to do like more just sandwiches like good food like stuff you want to eat on your day off and so it's it's there's a lot of freedom in that, but sometimes I think the freedom's a little too much. I think the menu's a little all over the place right now, so I feel like we gotta hone it in, you know. I, I guess um, to even I guess the 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 loosening I guess of the reins of of focus. You you said it was never like hyper focused, obviously from the the jump, but I'm sure there's a million parallels there about potential emotions as like a creator of something that is sold to be consumed by someone else. Mm, Um, Where certainly like IPAs are like an easy example. Yeah. Like it is a thing. It is, it is the chicken sandwich of 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 beer. beer, Yeah. 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 And that is really important. And you can make a chicken sandwich better than there's, there's levels to the chicken sandwich. Yeah, yes. But still there's it's also like the framework the the greater framework of that specific thing is not immensely vast. Yeah. Um and it's certainly like the more you the more skill you acquire at something like probably the less you're going to be able to actively apply like and grow your skills within that thing. Certainly. Um so long-winded way but um maybe talk about if, if there has been any sort of emotional shifts or things like hardening of the skin i guess as that that focus like redirects absolutely so i guess like under that latin focus like i really had no experience with latin food and was very quickly humble that like wow there's so much like one of the things that we do with a lot of our sauces the salsa roja salsa verde um any of the moles that we put on the menu um it's this interesting technique where you kind of blend all your ingredients together the dried chilies the herbs the spices um but then to finish the sauce rather than cooking it low and slow where you would in like the classic french techniques Mm -hmm. um latin you put like half an inch of oil in a giant pot or on dough and you fry it like fast so it like darkens the sauce and deepens the flavors but it's a much quicker technique and like it still adds that like wonderful umami and depth of flavor but something that's totally different and foreign to me um 
And so I guess was it a bit offensive at, at first? <laughs> yeah, because like, I was like, "Well, wait, what are yeah. we doing? Like, is this really going to yeah. work?" But then, like, you taste it, and it's like, "Holy shit, this is uh-huh. really good!" And so it was cool, you know. It's eye opening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I guess even uh, beyond then, like, as certainly since you've been head chef, yep. um, then in some way, shape, or form, like, I'm, I, if I say I'm head brewer, like, all decisions of taste of all sensibilities in yeah. a way kind of can get traced back to you obviously there's a big asterisk because i want to get into you you one of your the, the biggest assets in my eyes you've brought to the table is is pushing the staff to to showcase Certainly. what their own yep. what they're doing themselves which i i want to get into later but things that maybe even if in the loosest sense like if you felt like you've had to cheapen your abilities to cater to what is a brewery kitchen and still as you say kind of going uh, back yeah to so so i guess like for me sort of my love and my my favorite thing to cook has always been pasta um and i, th- I think I, it comes through in my cooking i make delicious pasta i love making pasta it's like it's definitely a labor of love it's time consuming it's arduous um you spend like 20 minutes on one individual piece and it's like, well, is this really worth it? But um, for me, it is. Um, Mm -hmm. That being said, like pasta doesn't necessarily translate to a 200 seat like brewery. So, (laughs) so a lot of people, and a lot of times I put on like specials that I thought were cool, like classic Roman pasta. We did one last winter and it was, um, uh, a la nocino I, th- I believe i might be butchering the italian pronunciation but it's a walnut sauce um totally delicious not everyone's cup of tea um mm-hmm. so i think i sold like two of these pastas that <laughs> i poured like all this energy into and like yeah that's really humbling like yeah. why aren't people liking this but some things just don't fly in that setting and you know that's okay and you kind of figure it mm-hmm. out yeah for someone who has uh, italian background and has the type of cooking that that you love being yeah. pasta yeah. and being under that kind of, it opens as a more Latin inspired restaurant yep. and you kind of coming over to take the reins, like you said, and what's already established as a, a bit of an identity and a personality, where do you go and what do you do to build that skill set and get those inspirations to, to start to live in a world that you're not, that isn't as natural to you? Yeah. So I think, with a lot of that, I look to the staff to help like some most of it comes a lot of it comes from me too, like in terms of inspiration. But like the the kitchens where I've worked, I've felt the most fulfilled and gratified and like most successful as a line cook is where the chef kind of gives everyone their potential and lets them kind of ride and pushes them to do that. Like mm-hmm. the first kitchen I was in that did that, um, I had to make a special every week it was required um and like that was super daunting as a young cook because you don't really understand flavors or anything at all and like had a lot of specials that failed like the, another cool thing about that kitchen is like the chef never wrote recipes down for anything uh. he'd give you a list of ingredients and he'd sort of say make it taste good he'd give you a break it basic procedure yeah. um but you kind of had to figure it out and like learn where these flavors come from. Um, so sort of in terms of looking for a lens in this kitchen, like I'm pulling on the backgrounds and the people of everyone else that's in it. Um, and I think that makes the 
it creates a bit of a scattered menu, but I think it kind of brings everyone closer as a team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when people feel like they have some sort of onus or control or influence over what they're doing, like the product is going to be better. So, yeah. A hundred percent agency. I mean, exactly. I've been thinking about the word agency a lot lately and how you give that to other people to get the best out of them. Yeah. I'm not think, sure that I've always been great at it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard too. it's like, cause you want to have control. It's hard to like loosen the reins and allow people to, in some cases fail, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you have to give them the opportunity and hopefully like you, I, I try to push people in the right direction and give them as much guidance as they want. But it's like, mm-hmm. at some point you gotta, you gotta do it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason I asked, I, I remember distinctly like this, this silly little aha moment of I'm working in um, right next to to where Noah grew up in Milo at this yep. tiny little restaurant and kind of being confused by, I think in my mind, I, I had always thought cook like the the thing that makes cooking so difficult is this kind of this like black box unlock of all like the actual techniques and the temperatures and remembering all of this stuff. Yeah. And as I got into it and went a little further and met a few people that I would consider real chefs, I know they always had a book in their hand. Yeah. Like what I saw them doing more of than anything was reading and writing and, and, and then you figure out travel as part of that. And then I, I remember having this kind of unlock moment I mean, there's only so many you can sous vide something, you can fry something, you can you can do X amount of finite things to yeah. bring a thing to a temperature it needs to be Absolutely. at or all of that. The hard part is having the understanding of all of these flavors, mm-hmm. of the way they play with each other and all of these things and all the, the chefs I was looking at, they spent more time in books than they did or as much time in books as they did in the kitchen. Yeah. And that was that's what began to open up cooking is this magical world to me because once you get out of the kitchen part into the stuff behind it that goes on forever absolutely and then it makes sense why you see like there's all these cooking shows tend to be related to travel shows yep. for a region reason and then that brings you to the cultures that really open up the narratives of these foods came to be and these practices came to be over thousands of years yeah. of cultural influence really and- cooking is just like copying from the past and you're, mm. you're making like slight changes but like i don't want to say everything's been done but a lot of things have been done in the cooking world so you kind of look at things you enjoyed from a certain meal or a certain book and you take that and you you can either try and recreate that on your own or you can use a technique or something individual from that dish and combine it with something else yeah so it's like yeah, you, you, to love food and to understand food, you very much, and this is true with anything, but you have to be a student of food. You have to study food. You have to look at it. You have to be like absorbed by it. Um, and I think that, yes, for me, like I read all the time. I'm constantly writing things um, and it's fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To, to that point of just how, like, if you are, if you want to be a sponge for influences, never been a better time yeah but Mm. almost to a fault to a degree of just how many places you can constantly be inundated with um exciting rabbit holes to go down so to that point like how much um as it's obviously a blessing in so many ways how much do you worry that um our kitchen talking about our kitchen specifically where naturally there's going to be 
like if you're doing what you just described, yeah. there's always going to be a new stream of influence. Certainly. It almost seems like it sort of nullifies the goal of making a coherent in some ways, a somewhat coherent menu in the first place. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, um, and I'm going to... And I don't mean I'm, that as a bad no, thing either. Not at just all. curious your thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna. It, it definitely is, is a challenge to make, like, a coherent uh, menu that sort of sticks in one vein. And I don't, like, like restricting us, but I think... I think it can be refined, and we can do things sort of under a smaller umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for me, the flavors I jump to immediately are Italian because I grew up Italian, um, and I love making pasta. And then just like you said, through travel, I went, I took like a three month trip to Thailand. So I love like those wow. flavors wow. of Southeast Asia. I love like fish sauce and really spicy chili and curry and things of that nature. And so like when I think of a dish, that's usually like where my head goes to first. Um, and then you kind of go from there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was that trip to Thailand just a like a fun wintering thing or were you working? Um, no, it was definitely a fun thing. Uh, I was working uh, seasonally at the time. I was working on Nantucket. And so me and um, another cook, we basically took a cook's tour. Um, our sous chef at the time um had been to thailand cambodia and laos like four or five times like anytime he made staff meal it had a ton of fish sauce it was usually some sort of noodle thing and usually you'd be crying over the toilet the next day but it was like (laughs) it was awesome it was delicious and like he, he kept putting the bug in our ear and um it was a cheap place to go and so we just pulled the trigger and did it awesome yeah uh there's uh a couple real good buddies of Seth that work that still work at Barnacle Billy's have worked there like forever. They, yep. at least last I knew, Stu and I can't can't remember his brother's name. I'm drawing a blank, but go almost every year to Thailand. Yeah, because it's now almost built into the schedule. That's like, sick. We have this super cheap. Uh, you know, they probably know all the fucking places to go yeah. even in Thailand by this point. <laughs> and I I heard that and it's like God, that seems sick. You'd kind of have to have a high intensity, high volume restaurant job that is seasonal yeah you know for that to work but if it did i would be like that seems pretty dope no it was so fun like i don't think i'd ever go back to seasonal working cooking it was like i like the changing of the seasons i don't like living on an island was hard regardless (laughs) um the, the the couple summers i did it uh that is a trip and a memory i'll never forget so it was well worth it dope and i yeah. think i even being up here i didn't realize how in any of these areas you tend to have seasonality like tourist places certainly coming up and starting in food in bangor yeah it was like everybody was like yeah no fuck this I'm, I'm going to bar harbor to make a ton of money yeah for four months yep. and then i'm going to be done and it's going to be over and i look around at who's there cooking now and even almost everybody came through that at one point in their life because there's huge volume people that are going to pay a ton of money that gives you kind of the framework that we can do these high-end restaurants yeah that work was that a formative time for you um definitely like that was so that was after i had worked in boston and then i don't know i kind of was looking for something else to do i had a hard time working with the chef i was working with um but love the food scene love the industry want to stay nearby because all my family's there Mm -hmm. um and so i was talking with a bunch of the sous chefs 
And one of them grew up on Nantucket. And so he sent me out to work with the guy that was basically his mentor. Um, so I started cooking out there. And that was the first, that was the restaurant that I was talking about where like no, uh, uh, what the hell is it? No recipes, um, mm. making a special every week. Um, I lived, we, we had like staff housing um, and I lived in literally a Harry Potter room um, like <laughs> under the stairs. You walked in, you opened the door. I had like three feet that I could walk this way and then a bed laying like down under the stairs. And I lived there for like three summers. Um, but it, it was like working you like- you acquired your powers. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but it was so fun. You know, you kind of, you work like a pirate, you party like a pirate. Yeah. Um, and it, it was the first job where like I was given that onus of like, okay- you're a cook, but also like you're more than a cog in the machine. Like figure out what you want to do. Um, find your flavors, find your voice in the kitchen. And I was like very lucky to have a chef and a kitchen that embraced that. Cause a lot of times in the food world, like it, and certainly like before I worked there, like you put your head down, you never question the chef. Um, and if you're picking herbs for six hours or whatever it is, you're picking herbs for six yeah, hours, yeah. you know? So it was, uh, yeah, I was very lucky to do that. It's cool to hear you talk about that ethos of the agency part with other people. And that's where you pick that up. And yeah. that's, that's something you did want to take with you to Bissell brothers. Yeah. But there's a lot in that kind of the reason I tee that up, that world of resort work, not resort work, but yeah. tourism. No, work. sir. Yeah. Everybody lives together. They party together. Yep. You go banana shifts where you get crushed and you can see where some of these things that are kitchen culture um the very military kind of top down yep um the yes chef no chef the you're gonna work because of the nature of the business a bazillion hours in these stretches all of this stuff that's just accepted and inherent in kitchen culture is very different than what's here at bissell brothers or what's in brewery culture yeah especially where i mean you don't get like 401k match in any kitchen. <laughs> no. no, you know, and all of these things, health, dental, um, the things that, that are part of this world are so foreign to that. So you take the, this ethos of agency with you, but what are some of the things as you try to build your own kitchen culture here yep. are things that you've had to let go or kind of actively change from yeah. culture that you came from that showed you what, how it works and what success looks like in um, a kitchen. Certainly. So like when it comes to a cook, like messing up in the kitchen, when like someone botches a recipe, like no, I don't know. Sometimes I want to scream at the guy, but yeah. like you can't do that. And yeah. you know, it's been, it's like, I definitely came up in a kitchen where like I would get screamed at and shamed and like laughed at on the line. And it's just like, that happened dope. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it 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 wasn't dope like i'm not gonna sugarcoat it at all no. but like it to some extent that like that hazing kind of forms you and i i don't want to like i'm not promoting hazing i don't think you should like hit cooks or throw pans or anything like that but it it, it um it sort of it, i don't want this kitchen to be and the industry in general to become this like coddled area where everything is cushioned. You can never Tot get no, hurt. Totally. And yeah. like, it's, it's, it, it, Bissell is by no means to that extent, but I've definitely had to lighten up my approach and go easier, which yeah. is, which was strange for me. Um, 
but it's i mean it's all learning process because so even yeah watching you sit here and almost, yeah. it's almost like you can't say it yeah like in this way <laughs> you can't say like that didn't come to be kitchen kitchen culture for no reason exactly you know, like that didn't grow like just because it's ineffective yeah and there's toxicity there there's things that it looks like over time are being tweaked and it's yep. not that much it's not that way the way it yeah. was and frankly i think that's a lot of why you're dealing with a a worker shortage at mass right now oh. as the world changes around it you can't pay this pay and treat people that way you can't yeah. have it all yeah you no. cannot have it all and no. just to but, quickly just to quickly yeah. re- reflect on that like a we have however many episodes whether it's an allusion to or an outright um <laughs> rally against <laughs> this what you're talking about mm-hmm. sort yeah. of an overcorrection of you know pre previous iterations of work culture yeah 100 um, but uh to that uh, i lost my i got all fi- fucking fired <laughs> up there and, and lost myself for a second um oh but to the the sort of that hyper militant like french sort of school yes. like what what you could pick what pretty, probably anyone can picture um it seems like if nothing else it would be at a very efficient system in the sense of like if you can take getting a pot thrown at you yeah and still show up the next day you'll be okay you probably do this and if that if that breaks if the the momentary or whatever human the shaming kind of stuff yeah if that um, is too much for you, you, then you're out. Yeah, and so at le- from that sense, to the point of, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm dancing too, but <laughs> no, to no, that point, that's my... why it is. <laughs> that is why it existed for so long. Yeah, an efficient certainly. system. Yeah, it's and, very black and white. There wasn't like a lot of gray areas, and like it, that was good because you either you you, you had it or you didn't have. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, and please be as open as you you are willing to be comfortable with. Yeah. But I can pretty much promise you i'm on your team (laughs) um uh just about some of those like kind of examples as you right have to cater a a lead a staff in an environment that isn't like Mm -hmm. quite like any you've been in yeah but also um at the same time, you you need to retain some of the things that make a kid when you talk about just hundred yeah um willingness to work as being a huge thing that I think yeah. people in all industries are fighting against now and finding themselves like directly confronted with like that. So it's been a challenge. Like we have a, an awesome core staff of guys that have been here like from the beginning or close to the beginning and guys that I can depend on. But like we're we're pushing to be open more days and in terms of hiring people, it's been a huge challenge not only getting people in the door but getting them to stick around um if someone's excuse me never worked in a kitchen before it can be like a extremely daunting environment there's hot Mm -hmm. shit going around and there's knives flying like it's it's a it's a dangerous place it's a kitchen um and it's 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 you're on your feet all day long and it's trying um but when you truly like enjoy what you're doing like it, it doesn't become work um so i guess it's been hard because like like you're saying like people are now expecting these sort of universal benefits like people are expecting to work 40 hours a week people are expecting to never have overtime people are expecting to have like breaks during their shift and like yeah that's that's all well and good you should expect to have that like that's that's fair but it's it's not the reality a lot of times in a kitchen like you you just have to 
it's it's a demanding place it's a demanding environment and sometimes you have to do more than that so yeah. and i think that the thing that people forget at least for me like first getting into it or don't realize yep. is like i'm watching it with our, our kitchen's only open four days up there you yep. know what i mean but people think like the act of cooking is the act of putting out the no. food that you are eating yeah the almost 90 percent of the act of of running a kitchen where all that work is is in the preparation of mm-hmm. being ready to execute that at the moment it is ordered quickly and everything that it takes to get to that point and what that leads to is once you get done a rush and you get crushed yeah you have this huge rush it's not like oh i can't wait to go get a go grab a bite and sit i'm going to take my 30 minutes and no. the only thing you're thinking of is, the is next everything dish. that just got depleted yeah. that needs to get put back together yep. to be able to handle anything like that again it's- and if you don't you are in a a literal version of hell that is yes. hard to imagine and un, like an underprepared line oh, during it's, a rush. It's the worst. It's a version feeling. of hell that is yeah. unlike anything else on earth. It's awful. It's like yeah, mise en place. It's like everything yeah. in its spot. Um, so th- what you're saying, just it, the place I worked at in Boston before I went out to Nantucket, um, I would be into work at like 11 a.m. every day. But I wasn't allowed to officially clock in until 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, for service at five. Tegan so, would love that. Yeah. So I. So I. But I like. I. I was there at 11 a.m. So yep. that my station was ready for service. Yeah. Because if I wasn't there, then I wouldn't be ready for service, and I'd have an awful fucking night. And mm-hmm. I didn't. I'd rather so four free I'd, hours. I'd, is yeah. Basically, it's built. a great I worked, system. I worked, it's built pretty good. So I worked. I worked. Two years at that job, four hours every day, completely unpaid, because if if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be ready for service. And that was just like, that was part of the culture at the time. And it's it's changed a lot since then. Um, and I don't think that's something that we should ever like adopt again. But like, that's like, that was, no one batted an eye at that. Everyone that I worked with did the same thing. So yeah. it's just like, that's, that's a huge sort of shift in the mantra in like, of kitchen culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say food is, is going back to, you can't have it all. Um, I, as, as we're talking about it, it's easy to realize, um, how great an example of kitchens, like, I, I guess I don't even quite have the word, but like, I can see so in a way I could never see before. We're like, so you want quality, you want availability, and you want it to be as low priced as humanly possible. Yeah. And seeing, as you say, just the all the pieces that go in far before and even to some degree far after that plate, it's just kind of mind boggling how any kitchen can work, there's, there's, to be honest. No, 100%. It's yeah. the part you never hear really get talked about a ton. And it was until you see the other side of it, like... You do it's it's a razor thin margin business. Exactly. Um the and only, every meal can't be a, on a hundred dollar farm no. to table dinner. No. Like that's just not yeah. for ninety percent of restaurants, it's it's incredibly razor thin. The only place you get to real money is by scale. Yep. If you own ten restaurants, now if you own four, if you own fifteen, now you can make some money. Yeah. But what it does is create all of these things like the way I think of that culture of you showing up four hours early to, to yeah. that's 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 almost that's like emergent in the system. Absolutely. To make the system happen, certain types of people that are willing to do that are what keep the system going. Yeah. And what you get to is this fundamental thing that I never heard talked about is people either need to be willing to pay more and expect this or 
there needs to be a way to change the model because it as it as it sits right now, it takes an immense amount of labor at a cheap price to make this thing work. Yep. And you're starting to see the cracks of that breaking for the regular stuff. Yeah. A, a place like this has the has the benefit of the beer yep. that is at a better mathematics allowing stuff like that to happen. A higher end place that can pull more dollars and the lower end places that are publicly traded businesses with scale. Yeah. These are things that have worked. The middle of this business with a sole proprietor that owns one or owns two, it's it's a hellscape and it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um and it, I have a ton of respect for them. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. And it's like it's it's huge a, hell guy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, it's it's um incredibly daunting right now to think about like ever opening a restaurant or, or something like that because just like you're saying, like finding the people that the the labor that the talented labor that's willing to kind of work those hours and put the time in um and finding um customers that are willing to pay like higher prices because you're you're working so yeah hard. like it's that's the the consumer i guess i would ask the consumers to kind of understand or challenge them to like d- go try working a day in hospitality go see like all the work that goes into the the burger the chicken sandwich that like ends up on your plate like it's 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 deceivingly simple but there's a lot of time and a lot of hard work that go into it which is why it's the higher price tag 100 percent um so i also don't want to like sugarcoat your your experience i mean you've uh to make it seem like you're this coddly manager like you are you work like a, a madman yeah um and obviously trying to <laughs> we're trying to rein that in but to the nature of what it's been un unprecedented turnover for us in a yeah. way of and that was part of what I I really poorly explained at the beginning about just my fear of adding food because that's that is to a degree seems an intrinsic in sure. in the business um wonder why for all, <laughs> for all the reasons we just named <laughs> um but uh obviously there's a there's also a huge range to that but for us I mean I would brag a lot about our our lack of, and I think rightfully so, mm. until food, and then and now it's a whole new chapter. And I think even within the relative context of the time, and um, it's hard to think of much else we could be doing. No, to absolutely. A, a work, I, I, but, I think it's like, yeah, we're we're very generous, but it's like I don't know, people. I don't yeah. know, and yeah. I I don't mean to. I'm not trying to ask you that question yeah. again, but I I am just uh kind of the challenges that this is your first. I'm the top of this chain yep. um, job. Mm. Um, yeah. What What were you prepared for? What weren't you prepared for? What are you trying to actively get better at the most um, as a manager? Not, yeah. not so much a chef. Certainly even. like ordering, like figuring out the numbers. Like it's um, I, I had ordered for restaurants before as a sous chef, but I never like ordered the entire menu for the whole kitchen every day. And it, when you're dealing with like, six or seven accounts sometimes more than that it just be it becomes a lot of things to juggle um, and accounts like suppliers yep, yep suppliers distributors um where we're basically getting our food from um so i definitely want to be better about that um and then like i guess managing on the day-to-day like yeah you do all this stuff behind the scenes but y- you really want to go all out for your guys and girls in the kitchen like it, I, I i never 
as a cook, when I saw um, chefs sort of take it easy or like take a break, like I, it would frustrate me because I was getting paid less than them. And I never want to be that guy. I never want to be the other guy. Well, I always want to be the person that um, people are inspired by and kind of look up to and like a role model. And like, that's, that's a challenge because we have a lot of like really hardworking cooks, but it's, it's certainly, it's something I strive to do and kind of holds me to a higher standard and yeah, that's how I want to do that. How do you feel you're doing it that? I think I'm doing an okay job. I always feel like I could do more, but um, I work pretty hard. So, yeah. It- can, can I just ask to that point, um, I, I, especially as the business was getting going, um, and then again, when Milo was getting going, I rode that as hard as I could. It's like, yep. I'm going to work harder than anyone else. Yep. And if nothing else... <laughs> No one can say I wasn't doing that. Yep. Um, but there are definitely detriments to that. And certain. also at a certain point in the maturity of whatever a thing you're doing is, more and more delegation forces its way in. Yep. Whether you like it or not, for the if you're active if you really care about the whole, yep. that is the choice. Yep. Um how much of that have you experienced so far, or are you at least starting to smell it. <laughs> I am certainly smelling it and uh-huh. I've experienced it a lot. Like I, I, I can't be in the kitchen every day. I yeah. can't do that. So I've, I, but delegation is still the thing that I struggle with the most. Um, you I, and every manager yeah, are pretty much. Yeah. And that's, um, the kitchen is such a specific place. Yeah. That's why, that's why Especially I kind of got trained not writing recipes. <laughs> you but know? when you said that kind of all the stuff, no one thinks in the same struggles of, of the other side of working too much and not being your best. Yeah. And the reason I, I asked that explicitly was like, but a kitchen is a very specific place yeah. where you can be, you can almost, you are incentivized and can be the best by riding that train for as long as Noah did or even longer. Yeah. Um, but definitely like there is like fear of burnout. And mm-hmm. like, if you're, if you're working too much, like it's inevitably going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, like I, I, I mean, these past two weeks have been good. I've gotten like days off. I've been out of the kitchen and like everything's been hunky dory. It's been, and it, that's really, it's, it's awesome for me to see that because it's like, okay, you can step away and everything's going to be just fine. Like, still you know, work. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so I guess, yeah, still struggling to, delegate and learning like where to delegate effectively but um it's an ongoing process you know um i we missed uh kind of diving into it earlier um but i do want to spend some time talking about um it's not quite delegation but it's a second cousin maybe of it um the showcase specials sure um that you you've (laughs) you've really not strong arm but made of expectation but it's also like a it seems a thing everyone's pumped about. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a, uh, an onus or load for anyone. Um, talk about how that's going. What just, yeah, wherever you want to go on that. Sure. So like, I guess we'll, we'll start sort of at that kitchen, um, where I was working on Nantucket and what I did, we do, we do, um, a Sunday brunch every week and every week it was a different menu. So our first special had to be, a different brunch dish every week there was no written menu we had no like staples you had to come up for a dish on sunday or 
we didn't have a menu basically. And then you all contributed we, uh, 10, every every six, single ten dishes or whatever. No, no, no. Every every guy did like two or three dishes, um, and then it was a different brunch menu every week. Wow, that's um, insane. So it was it was insane, but it was a lot of fun. And it was like people came because you'd have some like weird, funky brunch food. Um, <laughs> um, and you'd have to you'd have to have those in at a certain time in the week. No, but you'd have to be thinking about this beforehand and have your dishes in. Yeah. So we'd like, you'd be working service and prep all week and then always in the back of your head, like you have Sunday. So you'd have to have at least, a, well, you'd have to have something planned Saturday night. A lot of times, like you'd put it together in a combination like Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, But you'd have to have an idea of what you were doing and that like, added stress and creativity um kind of pushed me forward as a cook so when i came here there's something that i also really wanted to push for um i do like i'll send out an email to my team every week and we'll just kind of go over like what's going on for the week i'll try and mention like what's in season um sort of things we have around the restaurant um and it's just a way for me to kind of get my ideas down on paper so hopefully like other cooks in the kitchen if they're thinking about something or this sparks something for them it's just a jumping off point for them to start thinking about a special um i'm not mm. nearly as strict where like we have to have everyone has to do at least one special a week but um i i think it's it's been important and fun to push the guys to do more than the day-to-day and to put something of their own on the menu and it's like it's it's we had one guy that we work with um that i work with um he started out as a dishwasher um he's now working as a line cook um and he was one of the first persons um when i like took helm of the kitchen to come to me like i want to do this and now he's putting he's put out um he put out like a mango habanero wing and now it's like it's been a running special for a while. Uh, we're thinking about putting it on the menu, but to see someone like come that far, um, sort of just by pulling up their bootstraps is incredibly like inspiring. It makes oh, me yeah. feel really fucking good. So um, like that's sort of the goal with this. And I think like as much as it feels good for me, I know it feels really good for him too. So I, I just want everyone to be able to kind of feel that and do it, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. There seems to be, there was another element kind of layered on top of that sort of thing. Yep. Um, And not, not to discount it anyway at all, but I, I remember when I first managed a kitchen for the first time, I had a personality that was a difficult personality, but very talented. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm going to have him do specials. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and it's going to give him some creative flow and he's going to be more invested and he's going to be easier. And I remember thinking like, I'm a fucking genius. I can't believe it. And then it's like, it's Did the it go to, it's a little, no, not really much at all. <laughs> it's the go-to mechanism yeah. and some of that. But what I saw, it looked like you were doing something kind of layered on top of that. That was somewhat like ingredient based or there would be some type of um, rigid structure. And I don't know if it went on the menu I think I'd see You'd it have from the competitions. Yeah, there'd then. be a competition yeah. based around one certain thing, and then it'd be like I think staff would eat it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so that that but, developed. We just had like we when we had like I don't know a quart of something laying around, and it was slow during the winter time. 
uh, all the guys we had finished our prep and we were kind of there's always something to do in the kitchen we can always clean whatever like that but um it, it was a comp it, it started as a competition and we'd have the dishwasher judge it um which was always fun too but i'd give everyone i'd pick a random ingredient in the kitchen everyone has 20 minutes and then it's sort of like i don't know an iron chef battle yeah, yeah, they the should kitchen. make a tv show based yeah, on that. yeah exactly <laughs> um but but it was cool and like it, none of those things um quite translated to the menu but it, it certainly gave guys like it it allowed people to be creative and it had they were like they were starts of dishes and it sort of planted the seed in yeah people, you know is that something that you that you picked up from restaurants or in, in the past or is that um, something that you pushed forward that was something that i just did one day hell yeah uh, yeah yeah what what i so yeah i just want to reiterate like how uh much it's it's meant to me to see uh just focus put on that yeah um but i from the there's a, certainly a bunch of parallels with with beer um but i think the biggest thing is it's easy to forget how even though um like just x example line cook might be touching this food working with it and knows how it behaves within the parameters of how what they're supposed to be doing yeah um but there can be you it can be really easy to overlook like there's not a lot of forced deeper thinking about mm-hmm. the why Certainly. there um to to any ingredients the beer's the same way like we have you know i'm not that cool it's not <laughs> by the whim recipes anymore <laughs> um <laughs> those days definitely existed though um but uh you know you you're putting in the same bag of citra the same bag of after a little bit like you might even forget to smell like even to know you can even yeah. take those things for granted. You look at them as an just strictly a within a, the system. A piece. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. a piece of a puzzle that you are trained to make. Sort um, of like Maddie was saying, like becoming a chef and understanding food, like you can cook things, you can fry things, you can sous vide things, but there's only so many ways to heat things up. Like once you understand those techniques, it's really your creative mind and how you create the dish that makes it a success or a failure. So it, this goes right along with that because mm. like we have all these ingredients that we use every day, but I'm challenging the cooks and even if it's just for 20 minutes and the dishwasher is the only one tasting it to think of these things differently and come up with something that they think is cool and people want to eat. So yeah. it's like, it's just, it's just a different way to, do your every day, you know, when I, when I saw that, and that's why I jumped out and gravitated yep. to that. Cause I'm not, I, I've cooked in kitchens and I'm nowhere close to anything that you could call a chef or that level of understanding. Yep. He's and told was, me he's a chef. <laughs> <laughs> I make him call me that in private, but as long as nobody's around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, please call me chef. Again. <laughs> um, but in a serious sense, even me who's had this, this degree, it's kind of this thing that stays teed in my mind as I want to get better at things. It's like, is I still didn't see a lot of this past add a third cup of it at this point in a recipe. Yep. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's just this step. It's this thing. I know the smell. I know this. But that thing that you're talking about, given the blank canvas of what can I do with this? How does this behave? What is the not to be but like the essence of this fucking thing? Totally. And that was what jumped out at me when I saw that. And kind of wishing that somebody had even teed those questions up to me along the way yeah. of how I was doing it. 
um, that really it was really impressive and and I, I thought exciting to yeah, see somebody like, pushing that thought forward. One of the coolest things I I never did like that exact experience as a young chef, but one of the coolest things I did is like me and my sous chef at the time would stay after hours in an empty kitchen um and just fucking cook with like we had the whole kitchen to ourselves i and can't believe you've so, been successful <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, did, yeah. he did the four free hours <laughs> on the front end and, and then when they closed up the kitchen i mean now it's really we time didn't, to educate we didn't myself do it, we didn't do it a ton but there are definitely and it was like yeah. we <laughs> i don't know i'm reluctant to say it because it was definitely illegal um and uh definitely the the chef um would not like to hear that um but it was a blast for me because we have like the full like um professional kitchen like at our fingertips you have all the space you can do whatever the hell you want and like we bought all the ingredients and we cleaned everything up and we weren't harming anyone but it was just like really fun to have free reign Mm. over whatever like i feel like that would be and i've thought about this concept as a business like you just rent out like a professional kitchen with ingredients and go like do whatever you want to do for a while. I think yeah. you can have someone like clean it up. I think that'd be sick. That's um, the part that everybody hates. Yeah, exactly. The shopping and the cleaning up. Yep. But, um, um, let me, I w- I've wanted to, I'm going to use this as a pivot yeah. point because I've wanted to talk to you about beer dinners. Yep. Um, it's something that we're, I'm, we're embarking on our first one. So I'm very much in that mental space, but also when it comes to breweries that have kitchens, it's like, ah, beer dinner. And we pair the beer with the food. Yeah. Um, so many of them are so basic and, and things like that. But this thing that you're talking about right now and that kind of that further essence of an ingredient, I remember to date, um, my favorite food moment that I've ever had. And I do consider myself a foodie much more than uh, foodie slash chef yeah much more than the chef's part of it i i really love food i really fell in love with it i i think in some ways it saved my life and i i i hold these experiences dear but i went to grace when they were open in portland nice and me and my two best friends me and my fiance asia and i will go out and we'll like go at it yeah well we order stuff and i'm grabbing off your plate yep. you're grabbing off my plate it's my and favorite way to that's eat the too. way we eat. yeah it's the only way to do it yeah. i think in that context and we had this tuna dish it was delicious and there was this frozen element to the dish yep. um that we all knew the flavor of and we were melting down at this table yeah. that we couldn't name it yep and we're looking what what, what the fuck, the hell what the is, fuck that? is this yeah. so we're going around we're going around and no don't ask don't ask we're yep. gonna get this i know we're gonna get this it's such a familiar flavor yeah Finally, we can't get it. We ask. Yeah. Bit pretentious at the time. I, it's still my favorite dining experience. <laughs> but goes, oh, with kind of a annoyed thing. That's tomato sorbet. Yeah. And all four of us like melt like, down. Oh. Like I've had tomato <laughs> yeah. almost every day of my entire life, always and forever. Yep. I've never had it frozen. Totally. And it totally and that experience lives within me forever. And the reason that's the pivot point is as I think about doing a beer dinner. Yeah. I very much want to stay away from, and no disrespect to anybody, but I've been to so many of them that it's like, here's some reason we paired this beer with this thing, yep. but it's a, a double IPA. Like, yeah. you know, there's no- Hot wings is the, is <laughs> really? the pairing yeah. for that. And, you know, there's a stout at the end with dessert. And if there's any a fruited beer, then there's a- the raspberry beer comes like, with a yeah. raspberry dessert yeah. thing and it just goes that way. Yeah. And there's little talking throughout and it's kind of stuffy and it's not that incredible. And I've always, the way I'm thinking about it is how to get the customer more involved in the experience. Absolutely. And this, I've always had this idea of how you could bring 
ingredients to people in like a very simple small form like that test a bunch of people on you kind of send this thing around yeah. that they're very familiar with or whatever and then you you show them the entirety of the dish where it behaves very differently based on what it is or you want to have the power some, of the waiter at <laughs> you want to be some, the know-it-all some, so the last thing i want to be is a know-it-all but that thing we said of like thinking beyond thinking about like the entire essence of an ingredient yeah like everything that this thing can be whether you introduce cold to it, heat to it, time to it, acid, you know, all those different all things. Potentials. Um, so as it comes to us embarking on our first, I just wanted to get that thing out because yeah. it means a lot to me. Yeah. But I, you're definitely embarking. <laughs> yeah, right? I embark, yeah. Okay, okay, just check it. <laughs> um, but wanted to talk to you about um we can either go into the feast of Seven fishes that yep. you have coming up, or any of the the beer dinners that you guys have done um, if so I, if successfully. I can just, uh, piggyback yeah. on sure. it, I think it would be um, w- what you propose, and and really the format of of what we be, what we'll be doing for um, our upcoming beer dinners is is a beer dinner in a loose sense. Yeah, um, but that evolved from feedback of trying various methods of the more traditional ticketed uh, multi-course approach from earlier. Mm-hmm. So maybe kind of just um, talk about those, what worked, what didn't, and why you want to do it this way now. And that might answer perfect. some of your questions. Yeah, I think that's um, perfect. So we, we, when we opened the restaurant, we always like had ideas of how to pair food with beer and like highlight the beer and highlight the food because they sort of bring each other up. Um, and that's where the idea for the first beer dinner came about. We were going to do a prefix dinner where everything's ticketed. There's five courses similar to what you were talking about for any other beer dinner. Yeah. Um, but you really like do suave, like avant-garde, like awesome food, um, different than our everyday brewery fare. Um, and kind of dress it up for a dinner. Um, and the first one, um, and the the first two or three were were really successful, but by no means were they like flops. Um, but what we kind of found is that it didn't necessarily, for me at least, it didn't necessarily like fit the brewery atmosphere. Um, we we had transformed um, the tap room, um, put low lighting. Um, there was bay. yes, yes. <laughs> there's no like it, it. It felt not like the brewery we're used to. Like there's no there's no glasses clinking. There's no like murmuring around. It's just like you're a little stuffy. Um, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with like that kind of dinner. Um, that's that's just when I go out to eat and when I enjoy food, like I want it to be lively. I want to be surrounded by friends. And I want to be able to reach into three other dishes exactly. at my table like that it's, my friends have. It's like, so, so much, so much of it, the eating experience is not the food itself. It's yeah. the people you're with. It's like the thing you're doing beforehand. It's the thing you're thinking about mm. after. It's the reason you're going to the dinner in the first place. Um, And so we wanted to create that sort of, special night for people um and it 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 didn't translate necessarily to that ticketed sense um we did a few of the ticketed dinners um and then we also did a few days at the brewery we did like a a kolsch day Mm. where we walked around with 
bronzes and we served German style food. And we did a similar thing for Oktoberfest where we changed the menu and did like just um, German food and to highlight um, our Oktoberfest beer. Um, And so sort of the goal of this next dinner, the Feast of Seven Fishes is to some go ahead. Just dinner. Is that so did those two more in the general flow of the brewery, the Kolsch Day and the Oktoberfest. Yeah. Did those felt, feel more it, it natural? Felt, it felt like a beer hall. It felt like Hell it yeah. felt that just the energy inside was good. Not that the energy at the dinners was bad, but it was just like maybe too different. Maybe too different. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, it didn't, it felt a little, it felt stuffy. It felt stiff. Um, And where I think we're, we're, I don't know how to say this. We're not like, a loose company by any means, but like you sort of not stuffy and stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the goal with the feast of the seven fish is to kind of like find that happy medium in between. Um, so we're doing, we're basically transforming, um, the tap room into a restaurant that night. Um, so it's going to be full table service. Uh. We're going to have, um, all fish menu. The feast of seven fishes was something like, I always did growing up. Um, it's Italian American thing. Yeah. Um, we had like, you have seven fish. It was traditionally done on uh, uh, what the hell is it? Christmas Eve. Um, and a lot of times we'd kind of do our best to make the seven fishes. So like we'd have canned clams, sardines, like whatever we could find, like shrimp cocktail, whatever. And it's like it's not like we're getting seven different like fancy fish and going all out, but you had seven different fish and that's really, we are getting seven different fish and we're highlighting all main fish. Everything's coming like right from the water, right from the ocean, right next to Portland. Um, And we're really going to highlight like the local ingredients and find that happy medium where like people can feel comfortable, but have like an awesome experience, have delicious food and do something different than you normally would at a brewery it's like it's very exciting for me and it's because like again this is and a brewery kitchen is a somewhat unprecedented concept but really what we're doing with this dinner is like pushing even further than that and yeah it's gonna be sweet incredible and and, uh i've learned about it since but i had i had no fucking clue what it Feast of the Seven Fishes was. I yep. didn't grow up Catholic or Italian. Yeah. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mamma mia. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, so my understanding, it, it's a um, Christmas Eve. You would you would fast at least from meat, so you would have yep. a feast of fish. Yeah, basically. exactly. Um, was that a thing? How, how traditionally? Uh, how did that look for you when you were a kid? What What did you guys do? So we'd my my mom and dad grew up like down the street from each other and we'd usually go to my dad's side which is the italian side and we'd all sit around a big table it's probably like 15 people in the room um and we'd all make like we'd be cooking all day and then sit down for i don't know a three-hour meal everyone's drunk uh my uncle charlie used to make like homemade sambuca that was like moonshine and would like Shout out Uncle Charlie. Cross-eyed. Yeah, shout out Uncle Charlie. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, but uh yeah, so we'd always have we'd we'd usually do um a whole fish, and that was usually bronzino, which was like the the classic. We'd do um a baked uh haddock or baked cod. Uh, it was usually with like 
tomatoes, breadcrumbs, onions, um, some sort of like shrimp or cocktail, or sometimes there'd be like shrimp skewers on the grill. Uh, we did the tin sardines, um, a lot of time pasta with clams, but, but it would just, it would change every year. It was never like the same thing. I, I do like, we'd always have the, the baked cod. Um, and like, it would be, it, it, it's not, it's a great dish. It's, it, it's nostalgic for me, but it's always like a mushy mess at the end. Um, <laughs> so, so it's, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was cool. Uh, yeah. Cause I've, I heard, um, uh, my good friend Alex Lawler, his his wife, and she's a good friend too, Sophia. Um, it, her parents, are big Lithuanian heritage. Yep. And I hear a little bit about it from Jared too, with his wife being Russian. Um, fish not being it, you'd be eating fish around Christmas, but it wouldn't be fun. It yeah. would be like cold, gross, shitty fish. Like, uh, and I didn't know if that was the same <laughs> thing or just. Or I th- even Paul's talked about it too with that. It it may be the same thing, but I just think we didn't want to eat cold shitty fish. <laughs> no. Yeah, so we did something else. But yeah, like that. It like mostly a lot of pickled like shit, pickled oh, yeah. and smoked, and like yeah. it, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's not all awful, but it definitely it's like as a kid, it's like I don't oh, know. Oh, absolutely. Want that. Yeah. Really, yeah. I told you about the best dining experience yeah. I ever had in yeah. my life. The worst was I went to Solvang. It's a big like Dutch settlement. Okay. And so I wanted to eat something that was like Where? Yeah. And what's that? Where? California. It's oh. in Northern California. All the buildings look like with the brown like all the brown. Is that like in sideways with the window? I believe so, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So this it's it's, Good it's known for this. On, they were gonna make like the, the new <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was there. Yeah. <laughs> she was there. Sorry, but anyways, sorry, I ordered creamed herring. Okay. So, so, well, so, there's your first yeah, mistake. What are you doing, guys? The simply most disgusting <laughs> thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Uh, Essentially, I can imagine. What was it? Col- what? It was cold herring slapped with sour cream. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it was. <laughs> some yeah. daisy and some cold herring. Yeah, uh, I think they sprinkled a caper to on top. Yeah, caper, called it a day. caper. Yeah, um, that was the worst dish. That's I've ever rough. Had. That's rough. Liver and onions. Have you had it? Yeah. Do you like it? Um, I've had it where it's good before. I'm not. I don't love offal organ meats. I'm not particularly. That's what offal is. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Like, well, liver is one of them, but like heart, kidneys, yeah. like anything. Any of those, like that. just yeah, metallic meats, irony things. Yeah. yeah. I- I don't think I got it. We definitely didn't go to like a known liver and onions house. Yeah. It was a, it was a now shuttered uh, steakhouse in Milo uh, that I went there with uh, Matt, yeah. and I had to. I had. I've watched too much. I forgot Doug about to that. Have not have ordered it, and yeah. I did. Yeah. And it was. I felt like Doug. I felt like I was ten. Yeah. I like couldn't. You couldn't do get it, it down. I couldn't it do down. it totally. And I'm pretty adventurous, but man, I mean, I. If I was really hungry, it wasn't that, but it was like, this doesn't, this just doesn't taste yeah, good. Yeah, it's irony. It's like a weird texture. Um, yeah, it was like like a catcher's mitt, like bathed in penny. Yeah. It was rough. We had, I, I think both the best and worst eating experience I've had was on that trip to Thailand. Um, oh, what was we, the worst? So we didn't have, we our Thai was very bad like very poor we had like the little tide dictionary but really we didn't we were unprepared in that sense um but we were adventurous so a lot of times when we went um as we got we started in bangkok and then went to the northern part of the country and as you get farther north there's less um western speakers um the food gets progressively spicier um Mm. and it becomes it's hotter it's like more of a jungle up there um (laughs) 
The trifecta. So, <laughs> yes. And so <laughs> we, we, we went, um, we, we were, where the hell were we? Um, we were in Chiang Mai. A place with we a bunch went, of consonants. Yeah, probably. no, but we, and so we went, we went, we took like a, we rented the little uh, motorbike scooter nice. things and we're riding around like outside of the city. Um, we went to one of these little roadside stalls, um, menus completely in Thai. The, the people who own the stall didn't speak any English. This wasn't the first time we did this, but we basically played menu roulette. So mm. we just point out oh, something yeah. on the menu and hope for the best. What we got was a, a pile of like stir fried, like offal basically. And it was, <laughs> and I don't know, like their sanitation practices are very different over there, but it was very long on the nose. And it's like this weird chewy texture uh. and just like irony mess. And uh, yeah, that was, but you're, you're basically in this person's home. So we, we, grinned and bared and they would they had basically down. in front of it they they lived kind of behind it and they had like a little storefront it was a like front. hugely wow. like disrespectful like if someone like welcomes you into their house like you know you're finishing whatever the oh. hell you order so we were like trying to stomach it down but both of us are looking at each other like oh give me another beer just because oh. it was it was bad Wow. Yeah, that was definitely the worst food experience I've ever had. That was my friend Dave Watts' house growing yeah, up. His yeah. mom didn't know how to cook, and you couldn't just leave the plate full. Yeah. Yeah, Ugh. clean plate Charlie yeah, places. Have yep. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, I'm curious if not, this is a, another tangent, but it just got me curious. Um, I do want to hear about the best, but first, I a guy I went to high school with, um, he did, uh, I think he's still doing it, like teaching sort of residencies or whatever in, yep. in Asian countries. So cool. he was like in... In China, various places in China for a while. I think he was in Thailand. But anyway, there was um, a video I popped up on Instagram one time. He was in a city, but um, of him, like, you're at, at sort of one of these, you know, uh, kind of like Blade Runner-esque yeah. food stands. Totally. And that's what it made me think of. Um, and they were serving scorpion. It was Whoa. just a straight up scorpion. Okay. That was like battered and fried, I think. Yep. But still... Very obviously a scorpion. Yeah. I think it might the even have been on a skewer. <laughs> Clearly, I was wondering if you had I, had experience. I didn't have scorpion, but I ate a ton of bugs over there. Uh -huh. There was like there was fried bugs and steam bugs, and like the, the also in Chiang Mai, so that same city, there was like a, a huge street food scene there, and one of the vendors basically like. It'd come on a banana leaf, but it was like five or six different bugs. So we had like feast of six bugs, feast of six <laughs> yeah. bugs, and there was there was grasshopper, there was which are just they they taste crispy and of they tossed them in some spice after they, they used fried to say them. grasshopper was going to be the future of food. Yeah, that seemed to, a, those people seem to get. I've pretty seen quiet. a cricket. I saw a cricket. Crick, pit. Yeah, I saw crickets, a cricket pitch yeah. on Shark yeah, Day. Crickets, <laughs> grasshoppers, and then they had. Um, the worst thing that was like really hard to get down it was like a banana slug and that had oh, been like slow yeah, growth oh, but like big thing and like when bro. you chew it like it, it pops yeah. like you can hear oh, the audible I don't want popping that's, happening yeah. in my mouth I don't get like that that's hard for me to even think about yeah that's right. could you get behind some of the other insects yeah I mean I, I like I said I like the crickets I'm trying to think what else we had um, you're cricketed uh, no, I've never cricketed. It's yeah. intuitive to me that that may be like a the way we should be doing food, or we should be eating a lot more insects for yeah. the sake of like it's like the, an extreme version of like a fried sage kind of uh, is how I've 
They have just a hyper crispy. They're hyper thing. crispy. They taste like they're fried forever. Yeah. It's just yeah. like a, it's like a chip almost. Yeah, yeah. like a, a very specifically shaped yeah. chip. <laughs> yeah, if you can get past the fact that you're eating an insect, like it's yeah, it doesn't it's, gross me out. The slug tasty. obviously the does, slug was weird it gross me textural out. thing in just because it was like it wasn't just a pop in your mouth. It was like a couple bites. Was it yeah. fried? No, it was grilled. So they'd put it on a skewer oh. and then like on the grill. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we wow. had a lot of weird food. But so best best meal yeah, yeah. Um, in Thailand. We and were away um, from the slugs. Yeah, yeah. We were on um, uh, we were on the river. We had stayed at like this little hostel. Uh, I don't know down the road, and we had like gone past with, with these Vespa. Um, shittier vespas yeah shittier vespas (laughs) like every day and we're smelling like this crazy curry smell in this like little it looks like a shack that's by the river and so eventually like the third day we rode by we were like all right we got to figure out what the hell the smell is so we go up and this is one guy on a grill and behind him is a huge tank and it's these giant liver prawns or not liver prawns river prawns Uh. and they're like they're blue and they look like like a small lobster, or yeah. a really huge crayfish. Yeah. But he basically he he'd catch them, he'd put them right in his tank, so they were like hyper fresh. And then he did like a, a curry out of them. He grilled them and then finished them in this like incredibly hot cow soy curry. Um, and to this day, like we're both drinking like cheap um Chang beers and like tall boys. We're sweating. It's hot outside. We have this like awesome bowl of curry in us that has been caught like two minutes ago and it was just like so sick oh man i will never forget it damn yeah Yeah. have you ever done uh have you ever been to italy i've been to rome um but haven't explored other than rome cool didn't know if you had been able to uh it seems like that would be a natural plate bucket list or hopefully much earlier than Buckley. Yeah, I'm but, actually. Uh, I'm going. I'm going in January. I'm very oh, excited. Oh, okay. yeah. Fuck the yeah. yeah, I forget I said that. Yeah, so we're going to do like a full Italy tour, which I'm really stoked about. Heavily based around. About eating, around food. Eating, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What is uh, the. I, I d- know little about like the specificity of uh, regions. Uh, what's your general kind of focus for that? Um, we're going to start in Rome and then we're going to go south to, um, Naples and like the Amalfi coast, like Positano, Capri, um, Salerno, Sorrento, um, tons of like winter citrus. The Sorrento lemons are like world renowned down there Mm. and then back up to, um, Florence and like Siena wine country and just kind of see a little bit of everything. Hell yeah, Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's what you said about the kind of being in people's place that the couple friends I've had go from the food side, like kind of reason for going. Yep. It's kind of like you, you go into, in a lot of these things, it's kind of like going into somebody's house. There's been generational cooking. Yeah. You're, you're cooking this great grandmother's recipe. It's often old people serving you. And it's just like, it's indescribable. You can taste to like give all that. the you history. You can taste from all it. of that. That's yeah. exactly what's been said is you can taste all of the generational stuff yeah it's pretty fucking cool the one time i was in rome before like that's the thing that kind of struck me the most like it's it's a a city that's centuries old whereas like everything in the states i don't know our oldest cities are boston and new york and they're a couple hundred years but you're literally like walking through ruins and like you feel as if you're back in time it's it's an incredible feeling 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like to hold it over Matt's head. <laughs> the wonders of Europe. It's hard to explain without being there and stuff. But yeah. I'm going to Mexico in January. Yeah, I'll make yeah, sure dude. I go see some Mayan ruins. Yeah, so you like, should. I, <laughs> but right when uh, in in Bruges is the place I think of that I felt like the hardest, like that of like going to this bar. Who knows how fucking old the bar is? It literally some bars at least had been continually operating as bars for centuries upon centuries yeah um yeah and you look at it and it, it yeah it just you can almost just feel the vibrations of history i yeah. know that sounds so corny no but you can do that in many places it's not just not just a europe thing and to tie it all home though i think when we're so fucking young studying the studying the food culture or getting to know them through these historic stories it's almost like similar with beer in Germany, it's it's the most fundamental thing. Exactly. It's, it's the energy source for all of us. So the way that that expresses itself through the historical events and what's happened is 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 a narrative that you almost couldn't write in other ways. Yeah. Even if you're just sitting down to tell a story, you the can, food can tell you the best story that anything can tell you. You can only experience it by eating it. It's you know? incredible. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think also like, the the sense of being in a place like that for for us like of course america is the definition of taking influences from everywhere mm -hmm. and that's been that's what one of the things that makes this place great but um with that comes from like let's say okay i'm i want kolsch is a easy example for food, uh beer mm -hmm. like i want to brew a kolsch no matter how much research or whatever you're doing from afar, to you, that's just going to be another beer. Yeah. Um, Cologne, it's the beer. Yeah. It is literally yeah. the beer. And with food, I'm sure there's even more visceral examples where a dish is literally like the heartbeat of an area. Yeah. Or, or a certain, uh, whether it's like, I don't know, a town like known for butchery or whatever, it's also like the economic heartbeat of a place is, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's, you're gonna uh, see a lot of pizza in Naples. To yeah, that, exactly. But to that degree, I have one of my favorite um, pasta books. It's called The Geometry of Pasta, and it like has um, for every shape of pasta that there is, it has like where it originated in Italy, and some of these shapes are like very rare, and they're not made anywhere else rare than like pastas. these. Yeah, rare pastas of the world. Yeah. Um, so it's it's cool. There's um. There's this guy up in, uh, he's in Toronto. Um, I can't remember the chef's name, but he goes, I follow him. I've been following him on like Instagram and like the food scene for a while. And he went, um, and this pasta he makes is called um, Silfuede, which is basically, it looks like like a woven sheet. And it's this pasta that you make by stretching it out. You, you make like strands like you would with noodles. Then you stretch it out over a drum and you allow it to like, bake and dry in the sun so you get like this woven sheet of pasta and there's like two grandmothers in the world that make it and he went to visit them and make it with them and it's just like they don't have blogs it, I, I mean they might but like it's like you, you, you can't you can't learn how to do that unless yeah. you you experience it you know yeah. No, yeah totally it's incredible yeah, so yeah. incredible um all this has been awesome. Could keep talking to you, but on this pasta jump, it's here a perfect. Day it's off, kind of a perfect <laughs> yeah, segue. Uh, it is a perfect segue. Um, you familiar with the three bay? The three bay at the yeah. Matt, so at him. the end of every episode, we do this kind of free association game. Okay. That we call the three bay. Okay. You spend the episode graining in. You wash it up at the end in the three bay. All right, I um, like that. So we're gonna give you three things. Okay. Um, 
Are you going to do the destinations or the pastas? The um, I'll do the destinations. Yeah. He's going to give you three destinations. Okay. And he'll tell you what they're about. And then you're going to take three types of pasta of your own choosing. Okay. Um, it can be rare and baked in the sun. <laughs> it can be spaghetti. Yeah. All right. Cool, Whatever cool. you choose. Yeah. And you're going to pair them together in some free association, free association, association way. way yep. And Hard find to a reason. Those <laughs> and find yeah. a reason why. All right. Um, Take so, it away, Noah. So uh, <laughs> I know at least in your your past you were a big rock climber. Yep. Um, Hell yeah. So I'm just going to give you kind of big. I'm not, so I'm just looking okay. for Google here, okay. uh, but I'm just going to give you some kind of known rocked climbing destinations. Yep. Maybe some of them you've, you've, you've climbed at. And yeah, like Matt says, whether you want to like be like the pasta you'd want to eat after, or if it's just something that reminds you of the thing. Cool. So, cool. um, going lo- college locally, uh, Boulder Canyon drive. Does that ring in a bell? Uh, Boulder Canyon, yes. Oh, Boulder Canyon. Yeah, that yeah. was Google again. Yeah. Sorry, Boulder Canyon. Sorry. It's a lot Sorry. I was questioning the drive too, but it said that on multiple. Okay, and I didn't okay. get it. Boulder Canyon. Um, let's go Red Rocks. Okay. The, um, or yeah, Red Rocks. I was going to say Joshua Tree. Which one's better for climbing? Uh, Red Rocks. For okay, sure. Red yeah. Rocks. Keep yeah. it. Keep it. Um, Colorado Joshua Tree is better for Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, and U two albums. Um, and then let's go modern local. There's some good climbing in Acadia, isn't there? Decent. I don't know. Probably. It's good to have an unknown yeah. variable. Yeah. In okay. That. So those three: Acadia National Park, Red Rocks, and uh, Boulder Canyon. Boulder Canyon. Boulder Canyon Drive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not a fucking J Cole album. Um, Kanye weird. <laughs> Boulder Canyon, I'm going to go, um, it's, I can't remember the name of this shape. It's the Denti del Dragon, um, but it's, it's Dente. like, it's basically, it looks like, um, Popper Dell, um, but ah. Popper Dell is like a wide flat noodle. Um, you cut both edges of the Popper Dell with like a, um, squiggly cutter. So it's kind of a fluted edge. And then. Bef- Are there a lot of specialty putt cutting? devices yeah Yeah, yeah. for sure so it has this fluted edge on either side and then before um the pasta dries rather than like hanging it out like strands or putting it on like a pasta drying rack you fold it over so you have the two fluted edges up like that and that curves on itself so you get these like beautiful curves with like the poking out edges wow um so that reminds me of Boulder because Boulder is the flat irons. And as you drive like into the city, you basically see them all sticking right up. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I didn't know what they were called, but yeah. there's a uh, very, yeah. Um, What do we got next? Red Rocks? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Red Rocks, I think I'd do um, Oriketti. Oriketti is basically uh. a shape. Um, You kind of make it by... You have a big dough ball and then you can either take your thumb or a lot of people use like the back of a knife, but you you rip off a little piece from the dough ball and then you drag the knife um, across the table or your thumb across the table. And what this does is it like makes sort of a, a striation on the pasta and you pop it out the other side. So they look like all these little kind of rounded dome hats if that makes sense <laughs> yeah, i think it does yeah, yeah I think and it does. so that that just kind of reminds me of the 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 sandstone in red rock because it's all kind of wavy and has that yeah, motion to it man. yeah i've never even heard Kill of that one to be honest i've never heard of that one and so what do we got next acadia um 
Mm-hmm. I think I think I'd just go straight spaghetti with this one. Honestly, ah. like I like um, spaghetti with me is always associated with like pasta with clams because that's what we would eat it. We yeah. have the the canned clams, um, the canned tomatoes, and the store bought spaghetti like at home. It's still like one of my favorite pastas to this day. Um, so Acadia being by the ocean, pasta with clams, very loose kind of um association but yeah i'm gonna it's go with your that. association yeah. Yeah, baby. yeah mind of a chef right yeah here. yeah mind of a chef well incredible um, dave you've absolutely um invigorated the the kitchen and just really um like i say like i said at the beginning something that scares me but having having you at the helm has, has really been i've talked about it with matt a, a, a ton um has just been and certainly with joe as well yeah. but is is a, a weight um and confidence that i can't really really explain ha, have, having you in there man thank you um absolutely awesome to work along or work alongside you from a distance you'd want to keep it that way no the feeling's mutual like you guys are inspiring it's uh that's the best thing about working here is all the people we work with so thanks. yeah, Could, yeah. Sure couldn't is. agree more yeah. there man yeah um well thanks a lot for the time brother yeah i uh, can't you. wait and uh just before we leave date uh december 7th was december 10th december 10th seven fishes yep um this probably will not be the place that you hear about that date (laughs) 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 um so we will do other things to do that but uh yeah thanks for being here man thanks for having me thanks for giving us some time and sharing your mind with us yeah man i'm in the mood